0: In these podcasts, we uncover one chapter after another from the life of the Prophet ﷺ in an attempt to learn about him, love him, and better ourselves through his example. Immersion, mentorship, companionship, and tarbiyah. These are just a few of the things we offer alongside knowledge of the prophetic biography at Seerah Intensive two weeks dedicated to the study of the life of the Prophet ﷺ and his noble characteristics. So this winter, join me in Dallas, Texas, alongside your classmates from all over the world to learn the story of the life of the best of humanity, the mercy to mankind, the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. Go to seerahintensive.com to register and for more information. Bismillahi walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Insha'Allah continuing with our studies of the Shama'il Muhammadiyah, the prophetic personality We'll be starting with the fifth chapter insha'Allah uh, Our goal today is going to be try to finish insha'Allah uh, chapters 5, 6 and 7 Inshallah, They're not very lengthy, um, they're pretty much to the point a lot of repetition between the different narrations and what chapters 5, 6, and 7 cover is kind of the completion of the physical description of the Prophet ﷺ and it also talks a little bit, it's kind of a mix between the physical description of the Prophet ﷺ and also how he used to maintain himself, how he kind of used to groom or maintain himself. So, chapter number five is Babu Ma Ja'afi Shaybi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is a chapter about the white hairs of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, meaning the white hairs due to old age. So, we'll go ahead and get started with the narrations and then I'll explain some of the reconciliation between some of the different accounts that are brought by the companions. Hadith number one. Imam Tirmidhi says: Hadathana Muhammad ibn Bashar, qala akhbarana Abu Dawood, qala akhbarana Hammam an Qatada, qala qultu li Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu ta'ala anhu: Hal khadaba Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama? Qala: Lam yablugh dhalika, wa innamā kāna shayban fī sudghayhi, walākin Abu Bakr radiyallahu ta'ala anhu khadaba bil hinā'i wal katami. Qatada, rahmallahu ta'ala, who is one of the very uh, knowledgeable and well-known scholars of the generation of the tabi'un, the generation after the sahaba. He says that, I said to Anas ibn Malik, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, did the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam dye his hair? Did he color his hair? And Anas ibn Malik, ta'ala anhu, responded that it never came to that. He had a little bit of white hair on his temples, on the sides of his face. But rather Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu used to dye his hair with hina and with katam. So now explain a little bit of some of the vocabulary and what they're talking about here. Um, first and foremost, the, when he says, إِنَّمَا كَانَ شَيْءًا وَفِي رِوَايَةٍ inna كَانَ شَيْءًا in one of the narrations, instead of saying shayban, which means white hair, he says the word shay'an, meaning just a little bit. There was just a little bit of white hair that the Messenger had on, on both of his temples, on the side of his face. And so some say that suddh more so refers to this whole, the side of the face right here is called Sudh. So either they say that it was on the temple right here on the side of his forehead, or that it was on the side of his face here where we would call typically the sideburns. Right, That he had a little bit of white hair over here, where his beard would kind of start on the sideburns. So in either case, the Prophet ﷺ just had a little bit of white hair on either side of his face. And so when Anas ibn Malik is asked that the Messenger of Allah ﷺ used to color his hair, what he understands that to mean is that the Prophet ﷺ, did he overall dye his hair? And so he says that it never came to that. There was no need for it. Because he just had a very little white hair on either side of his face, on his temples. But he says, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who was very close in age to the Prophet, they were only two years apart, um, that Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, on the other hand, his hair had gone white completely, uh, or the majority of it. So Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu used to color his hair, he would dye his hair. And he used to color his hair. He says that with a mixture of hina. Most people are usually familiar with hina. And so when hair is dyed with hina, usually he gives it more of an orange type color or tinge. And katam was, an, was, like a, was kind of like the bark from tree. And so they used to grind that down and use it to make certain types of dye as well. Uh, so they used to use certain plants or bark from tree and they would grind it down and use it to make a dye. And he said that that would result in a very dark dye, almost black hair, very, very dark. And so what Abu Bakr عنه, used to do was he would mix the two things together and then he would dye his hair with it which would make his hair a little bit more dark brown, not too much on the orange side nor on completely uh, like a, on the jet black side rather. He would dye his hair like a dark shade of brown. And there's a little bit of a discussion here in terms of the fiqh of it. Um, some of the scholars, there's a narration about the father of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, which is the topic of a lot of discussion. Uh, at the time of Fatahu Makkah, the conquest of Makkah, it's a very beautiful narration that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was sitting in the masjid, in the haram, at the Kaaba. And Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu walks into the masjid holding the hand of his father, his elderly father, Abu Quhafa. Abu Kuhafa, obviously Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu at the time of the conquest of Mecca, he himself is in his late 50s, almost 60. And so his father is obviously a very extremely old man, maybe in his 80s or even 90s. And so he comes in holding the hand of his father. His father Abu Kuhafa, was born blind. He had been blind his entire life. And so he was blind, so he's holding his father's hand, bringing him into the masjid. When the Prophet saw it, he stood up, and went to them. And the Prophet ﷺ said, "Halla sheikh Why didn't you leave the sheikh? It's like a way of saying like almost uncle. Why didn't you leave my uncle at home? And Wa ana atihi? I would have gone to him. I would have come to him. And Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu said, No, Ya Rasulullah, he wanted to accept Islam, so he needs to come to you. Guidance is you go to guidance. Guidance doesn't come to you, you go searching for it. So I needed to bring him to you. And so the Prophet ﷺ sits him down, of course honors him. This is his friend's father. So he treats him as you, as you should, as an uncle. And um, he says he's here to accept Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ takes Abu, uh, Abu Qahfa's hand in his hand and he gives him the shahada. Abu Qahfa recites the shahada. And the Prophet ﷺ is, is so overjoyed, he's beaming. You can see the joy on the face of the Prophet ﷺ. He looks at Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Abu Bakr is crying. And he says to Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, بَكْرٌ You're crying out of joy, O Abu Bakr. And that's when Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, "La ya Rasulullah, bal husnun. No messenger of Allah, but I cry out of sadness. And the messenger of Allah ﷺ was a little taken aback. Your father at this age And Abu Quhafa was the last immediate family member of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu to accept Islam. His mother had become Muslim way back in the day in Mecca. His, of course, even his older children had all accepted Islam. His siblings had accepted Islam. His entire immediate family is one of the virtues of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. His entire immediate family had accepted Islam. His uh, cousins, his uncles, his his aunts, everyone around him had accepted Islam. <clears throat> this was the last family member of his who had not accepted Islam yet, his father. And so he says, this is your father at this age and the last member of your family to accept Islam. Why would you be sad? And so Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala says, O Messenger of Allah, because I can't help but think how in the blink of an eye, tarfata'in, in the blink of an eye, I would, trade places, I would trade the place of my father for your uncle Abu Talib. Because I know that how much pain you went through when he passed away. And so, it's a very beautiful narration. So the Prophet ﷺ sits with them, talks with them, you know, spends time with them. And then the way that Abu Qahafa is described is that all of his hair, he was so old, he was very elderly, all of his hair had gone white. His hair, his beard, his eyebrows, eyelashes, you know, everything was white. And on top of that, some of the narrations also make mention of the fact that Abu Qahafa also had the issue where he had lost the color in the pigment of his skin. And so because of that, his complexion was very, very shockingly uh, light. And then on top of that, all his hair had gone white as well. So he looked um, a little different. And so a lot of times people would look and stare. And so the Prophet ﷺ said, غَيِّرُوا هذا غير change the color of this uh, to any color except for black. Meaning, don't color his hair black. And so that's the instruction of the Prophet That's what he says. It, that's the extent of the narration. So then that becomes the topic of a lot of discussion and conversation amongst the fuqaha. That what, are, what is the issue about dyeing of the hair? So obviously you find here, some scholars have said it's mubah, it's open, it's optional, It's a choice. Some have gone as far, such as Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, he says that it is mustahab, it is recommended to color your hair once it very excessively starts to go white. Imam Shafi'i shafii goes as far as saying that it is sunnah, it is recommended. Because the Prophet said it, he said it with a command. And when you look at some of the other senior sahaba, like Abu Bakr, ta'ala, anu, they used to color their hair. So he goes as far, but he's uh, alone in this particular position where he actually strongly recommends it. But the issue then becomes is because of what the Prophet ﷺ said, color his hair for any color except for black, like don't color it black. So then the scholars do discuss that, what is the ruling on dyeing hair black? Is it allowed? Is it not allowed? Is it recommended? Is it disliked? What is exactly the ruling on it? So again, the scholars have a variety of different opinions. Some of the scholars, based on the context, that Abu quhafa himself had that issue where um, his skin had lost its color, And so the Prophet said, don't color it black because then it will create a very... He was more so giving advice that the type of contrast that it would create between his skin tone and his hair might make him look even more peculiar. So don't do it, don't color it black. So it was more of advice from the Prophet but it is permissible, especially especially in the case where somebody's hair is basically what we would call prematurely uh, going gray or going white. Um, where normally at that age, usually that amount of their hair does not go white or gray, then in that particular case, it is permissible for that person to go ahead and color their hair black. Um, And then also, I'll take the questions afterwards. And also similarly, the Prophet of Allah uh, excuse me, some of the scholars also hold the opinion and position that coloring of the hair black is actually disliked or not recommended specifically because the prophet specified that do not color it black so there's just a little bit of a discussion here nevertheless abu bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu so again so this narration why did i bring it up here the fact that abu bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu would not just simply dye his hair color his hair with al-katam which would have made his hair very would which would have made his hair black but he would mix it with the hina, which would add a little bit of brown color to it So the scholars who say it is actually disliked or not permissible for an older person to color their hair black, they point to this narration, they say, look, this is why Abu Bakr would mix the dye and would color it brown instead of black. And the the scholars who say, no, it is still permissible, um, they just say that Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala did it because that was his personal preference. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam, it's an issue of difference of opinion. So somebody can basically... um, handle the issue however they see, fit. they see fit. Obviously, if you are of a particular age where it's very obvious what age you are, and you're walking around with a full head of black hair, you look strange. All right, so hadith number two. <clears throat> Imam At-Tirmidhi ta'ala, says, Hadathana Ishaq ibn Mansur, Wayahya bin Musa, qala hadathana Abdul Razak an Ma'amr, an Thabit, an Anas, radiAllahu ta'ala, anhu qal, <clears throat> مَا عدت فِي رَأْسِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم وَلِحْيَتِهِ إِلَّا أَرْبَعَ عَشَرَةَ شَعْرَةً بَيْضَى أنس بن مالك رضي الله تعالى عنه relates, he says rather, that I did not count in the head and the beard of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم except for 14 white hairs. That at the end of the life of the Prophet, I do not recall counting more than 14 white hairs in his hair and his beard. And I talked about this, this was a youthful appearance of the Messenger that Allah had granted to him. Hadith number three, Qala Muhammadun al muthanna akhbarana Abu قال حدثنا شعبة عن سماك بن حرب قال سمعت جابر بن جابر بن رضي الله تعالى عنه وقد سئل عن شيب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال كان اذا دهن راسه لم يرى منه شَيْبٌ واذا, وإذا لم يدهن رؤي منه Jabir bin Samurah was asked about the white hairs of the Prophet. And so he said that when he used to oil his hair, he used to oil his head. Of course, that means when he would oil his hair, it could, you couldn't see any of his white hairs. When he would not have oiled his hair, then you could see it there. The next hadith, hadith number four. قال حدثنا محمد بن عمرو بن الوليد الكندي الكوفي قال حدثنا يحيى ابن آدم عن شريك عن عبيد الله بن عمر عن نافع عن عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله تعالى عنهما قال إنما كان الشيب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم نحو من عشرين شعرة بيضاء. Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu ta'ala relates that the white hairs of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa were roughly nahwan were roughly about twenty hairs. So how do you reconcile that with the previous narration that says 14? Again, Abdullah bin Umar is saying roughly. Right, so he's just rounding up or he's just kind of estimating by taking a look at the Prophet sallallahu versus Anas ibn Malik, obviously was, was younger, used to spend a lot of time in the company of the Prophet sallallahu So it's very likely that he actually sat there and counted all the white hairs of the Prophet sallallahu Hadith number five. قَالَ abu أَبُوْ كُرَيْبِ مُحَمَّدُ بْنُ qala قَالَ ibn hisham an Shaybana Anabi Ishaq an Akrima and Ibn Abbas and Radialahu Tala Anhuma kal, Kala Abu Bakr Yarasulallah Kad Shipta Kala Shagi Batni Hudun Wa Wakya atu walmur salatu wa tasa aluna wa e the shemsuku werat Ibn Abbas Radiallahu Tala Anhuma relates that Abu Bakr radiallahu tal anhu said, O Messenger of God, you have grown old. And the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said that Hud Surah Hud, these are the names of surahs from the Qur'an, chapters from the Qur'an. He said that the surahs Hud, Al-Waqi'ah, Al-Mursalat, Amma Yatasa'alun, Al-Naba, And Iذا shamsu They have caused me to become old. They have made me old. And we'll go ahead and read hadith number six because it's similar. And then I'll explain insha'Allah. In hadith number six, قال حدثنا سفيان بن وكيع قال حدثنا محمد بن بشرين عن علي بن صالح عن أبي إسحاق عن أبي جحيفة قال. قالوا يا رسول الله نراك قد شبت. قال قد شيبتني هود أبو جحيفة رضي الله عنه says that they said meaning that some a group of the Sahaba they said just you know, kind of talking with the Prophet or even kind of playfully joking around with the Messenger wasallam. They said, O Messenger of God, we see that you have grown old. Naraka qad We see that you've grown old. And the Messenger of Allah wasallam responded that Surah Hud and its sisters, the similar Surahs, Surah Hud and the Surahs similar to it have caused me to grow old, have made me older. So now to explain these two narrations, Surah number 5 and Surah number 6. First and foremost, to just basically understand the concept. The Messenger of Allah of course this is a playful conversation. Um, In one case with Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala as Ibn Abbas relates. And in the second case, maybe it was a group of some of the younger sahaba. And the Prophet again what you can appreciate from this, is the type of relationship the Prophet had with his companions. That the Messenger of Allah would teach them and would lead them, and counsel them, and guide them. But at the same time, the Prophet ﷺ would talk with them, and sit with them, and eat with them, and spend time with them, and even joke with them, and reminisce with them, right? And share, swap personal stories with them. That that was the habit of the Messenger ﷺ. There are tons of similar narrations. There's a narration where the Sahaba say that we used to sit and tell our stories about our personal lives to the Prophet ﷺ. Every day after Fajr, the Prophet ﷺ used to turn around in the masjid and he would sit down and he would say, does anybody have anything they want to talk about? And we would just sit there for a couple of hours, just talk to the Prophet ﷺ. In another narration, it mentions, and there were, of course, very. there's a bunch of narrations. One such narration mentions that one time the Prophet ﷺ, we prayed dhuhr with the Messenger ﷺ, and it was uh, not the summertime, it was another time of the year where it wasn't as bad, the heat. And so after dhuhr, the Prophet ﷺ said, does anybody have uh, an animal uh, that they can spare, like a camel or an animal that they can spare? And one sahabi said, I do. And the Prophet ﷺ said, "All right, then let's go ahead and go out." They went out a little bit to a distance where there was some open, some open land, an open area. <clears throat> they slaughtered the camel. Uh, and the Prophet ﷺ took part in this entire activity. They slaughtered the camel, they you know, skinned the camel, cut up the meat, they started a fire, they cooked the meat together, they sat down and they ate together. And then it was time for Salah. So they got up, they all washed up together. They stood there and they prayed in the field there together. Then cleaned up after the Salah together and came back in time for Salat al-Maghrib. Now, that's the Prophet ﷺ basically just having kind of an outing, a barbecue with his companions, with the Sahaba. So there's multiple different narrations like this. So the Prophet ﷺ was very pleasant and very friendly in his demeanor and how he conducted himself. And that's at the core, at the essence of building a community. And the Prophet ﷺ demonstrated that fact. He would have sahaba over at his house. He would go and drop by and visit sahaba, their homes, the homes of the sahaba. And so that was very much the Messenger So this is a playful conversation. In one case, Abu Bakr obviously having a lot more white or gray hair than the Prophet even though they're similar in age. And what you have to remember about Abu Bakr is there are narrations, some incidents in the seerah and the books of history, which talk about the fact that they knew each other since the age of 10 or 12. So they've been friends since forever. And we all know about the love that they had for one another and how much they uh, cared for one another. And so Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala obviously having a lot more white and gray hair, spots, you know, a dozen or so white hairs in the beard and the hair of the Prophet And he says, looks like you're catching up. And so the Prophet then, you know, uh, responds to him. And of course the Prophet being the teacher that he is, the Prophet says, yeah, sure. But your white hair might be there just because you're an old man. Might happen because I read the Qur'an, right? <laughs> so the Prophet says, some people get old hair, white hair because of stress or business or whatever it may be. My white hair came from reading the Qur'an. And specifically in that, in that hadith, the the surahs the surah of the Qur'an that the Prophet identifies is of course Surah Hud which talks about all the prophets that were sent to nations that did not listen and heed the message and were destroyed. And at the end of the surah, it talks about the Day of Judgment and the reckoning and how mankind will fare in the life of the hereafter. Surah Al-Waqi'ah, of course, talks all about the Day of Judgment and how humanity will be divided and split into three groups. Surah Mursalat talks about the arrival of the Day of Judgment and the conditions that will be faced by people there. Surah Amma Alun again talks about the commencing of the hour. And Surah Idash Shamsu talks about the destruction of this world at the commencement of As-Sa'ah, the fixed hour, the day of reckoning, the hour of reckoning. So these are all surahs pertaining to the affairs and the issues of the life of the hereafter. And what the scene, Ahwalu Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Ahwalu Wa Ahwalu Al-Qiyamah. Not just the conditions of the day of judgment, but also the terror and the fright of the day of judgment. And so the Prophet ﷺ says that these surahs had this very, very deep profound impact and effect on me. And of course in the other narration, then he just simply refers to it as Surah Hud and surahs that might be similar to Surah Hud, which could of course be explained by this narration that these are the surahs that are similar to that particular surah in terms of themes and topics and subject matter. Hadith number seven. قال حدثنا علي بن حجر قال حدثنا شعيب بن صفوان، عن عبد الملك بن عمير عن عياد بن لقيط العجلي، عن أبي رمثة عن أبي التيمي تيم الربابي قال أتيت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وما عيا ابن لي قال فأوريته فقلت لما رأيته هذا نبي الله وَعَلَيْهِ ثَوْبَانِ وَلَهُ شَعْرٌ قَدَ الشَّيْبُ وَشَيْبُهُ أَحْمَرٌ That in this particular narration, uh, Abu Ramtha At-Taymi رضي الله تعالى عنه says that I went with one of my sons to the Messenger of Allah sallam. And I showed my son the Messenger of Allah sallam. And or I saw him and I showed my son. It's a way to say that I looked at the messenger Saladam, and I also pointed the messenger Saladm out to my son. So he says that when I saw him, I said that this is a messenger, this is the prophet of Allah. This is the prophet of God. And he was wearing two clothes that were green, and he had hair that had a little bit of white on the edges, and his old hair, or his white hair, was actually slightly red in color. Now, a couple of things to mention here is first and foremost, of course, he, said, he talks about the Prophet ﷺ wearing green clothes. He had, two, he, had two, he had clothes on, two pairs, or rather two garments on. And whenever it's normally said about the Prophet ﷺ, we understand a lower garment and an upper garment. Typically what the up, lower and upper garment of the Prophet ﷺ was like is something we're going to read in a couple of chapters. But he had an izar and he had a ridah, a shawl on. And so he describes them as being green. Now we specifically through other narrations know a little bit more detail about this particular, these particular clothes. What, what, how were they green? What kind of green and were they completely green? What exactly was the nature of these clothes of the Prophet ﷺ? So we find in other narrations that these were al-burud al were. This was Yemeni cloth. Al-burud al were. This was Yemeni cloth. And the Yemeni cloth typically would be a mixture of green and black. That they would be green and black stripes. Or it would be a black cloth with green, stri- of green threads in it. So that was the type of clothes the Prophet was wearing. And these were given to him. These, this Yemeni garment was actually considered very uh, sought after, very uh, exquisite or expensive. And this was gifted to the Prophet wasallam. So when he says that he had a little bit of white hair, just a little bit of white hair. Um, and so ala usually means on top of. But this doesn't literally mean that it was on the top of his head, the white hair. Some narrations do mention that he had a little bit, a couple of white hairs here, um, where his hair would part you could start to see a little bit of a couple of white hairs here, that either it's referring to that, but sometimes when you say, عَلَاهُ un, it also means that kind of on the edges. It means on the edges. So again, like we already talked about, the Prophet Wasallam had some white hair here on the edges of his face, on the boundaries of his face. And then he says that that white hair of the Prophet had a slightly red tinge to it. And I'll talk about that in just a second after this next narration, or we'll... we'll We'll be talking about that in the next chapter, excuse me. Uh Hadith number eight. Kalahaddatana Ahmdub Ahmadubn, Kalahaddathana Surajibn Numan, Kalahaddathana Hamad Salama, Ansimak ibn Harbin, Kala Kila Lijabibni Samura, Radiga Lakutala Anhu, Akanafi Rasuli Lahi Salala Akanafi Ratsi Rasuli Lahhi, Salalahwa Alehi was Salama Shabun. قال لم يكن في رأس رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم شيب إلا شَعَرَاتٌ في مفرق رأسه إذا ادهنا وراه وراهنا الدهن وراهنا الدهن جابر بن سمرة رضي الله تعالى عنه was asked did the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه have any white hair and so he says that there was no white hair in the there was, no, there was no white in the hair of the Messenger ﷺ or on his head except for a few hairs, sha'aratun, except for a few hairs where his hair would split on the top of his hair. And when he would oil his hair, when he would have oil applied freshly, then the oil would conceal that white hair. So when his hair would kind of become dry and it would start to kind of part or split in the middle, you could notice a couple of white hairs there. But when he would oil it and he would kind of slick his hair back a little bit, then it would cover up the white hair. Alright? So that's what he ends up describing. So in the next chapter, we're going to talk about the Prophet Wasallam actually dyeing his hair. So that issue that came up where he says his hair had a red tinge to it, we'll be talking about that in the next chapter. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention here was of course, the Prophet ﷺ, this was symbolic of his age, he did have a few white hairs that could be noticed, uh, one narration says 14, one says about roughly 20, so of course it's symbolic and representative of the age of the Prophet ﷺ, but the Messenger ﷺ of course had that very youthful appearance, which you know gave the Prophet ﷺ, um, a, a very commanding type of presence, particularly for the purpose of when the Messenger ﷺ was leading people, uh, especially in battle, and he inspired, He was able to inspire even younger people with just that presence of the Prophet And then of course he identified the fact that his white hair was only the result of the fear of Allah ta'ala and the consideration of the severe circumstances on the day of resurrection. And I wanted to comment on that just for a second, Number one is the fact that even the Qur'an places a lot of emphasis on the circumstances of the Day of Judgment. In Surah Al-Baqarah, in fact the scholars of Al-Ulum Al-Qur'an actually talk about that the very last ayah to be revealed from the Qur'an, the very last ayah in terms of sequence, in terms of revelation, to be revealed from the Qur'an is ayah number 281 from Surah Al-Baqarah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Turjauna Fihi lallah. That be conscious, be mindful, be fearful of the day that you will be returned back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then each and every single soul will be fully compensated for what it's done, what it has earned, and nobody will be done wrong in the least bit. That was the last revelation of the Quran. So that was some of the final advice of the Prophet ﷺ, that was the last of the revelation of the Qur'an, and so it's a very, very important topic and consideration that the Prophet of Allah ﷺ placed a huge emphasis on, that the Qur'an focuses on a lot. And what you find here is that the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, that's why he's emphasizing it as well, that's why he's emphasizing it. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, now think about the Prophet ﷺ placing so much emphasis on this. He would cry so much when he would recite these ayats, when he would talk about the circumstances on the Day of Judgment. The Messenger of Allah ﷺ is guaranteed the forgiveness of Allah, the mercy and the pleasure of Allah. He doesn't have to worry about himself, but he was deeply concerned about the fate of humanity. And it was specifically his love and his concern for his ummah that troubled him. And that's why the Messenger of Allah says each and every single Prophet was given this one dua, guaranteed dua, that they could make in this world. And the Prophet said that I reserved my dua and forwarded that dua of mine, that guaranteed dua, for the day of resurrection to intercede on behalf of my ummah. Alright, so the Messenger of Allah had that type of concern. And that's why even with a very close friend like Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and of course the white hair means this is towards the end of the life of the Prophet Even with a very close friend, the Prophet feels so compelled to use that opportunity to remind him about the reminder of the Day of Judgment in the Qur'an. So as to say that, keep this in mind, O Abu Bakr. And make sure you remind others after I'm gone about the importance of considering the circumstances of that day. And make sure you prepare for that day. Chapter number six. Babu Ma Khidabi Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa This is a chapter about <clears throat> the Prophet dyeing his hair. This is a chapter about the Prophet coloring his hair. So first hadith of the chapter. قال حدثنا احمد منيع قال حدثناه شيمن قال حدثنا عبد الملك بن عمير عن عياد بن لاقيط قال اخبرني ابو رمسه قال اتيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم مع ابن لي فقال ابنك هذا فقلت نعم اشهد به قال لا تجني عليك ولا تجني عليه قال ورايت شيبا احمر is similar narration to the previous one but it's a little bit more extended, where he mentions some more extra details. Abu Rimtha, the same one that we just read about in the previous chapter, he says, I came to visit the Messenger of Allah with one of my sons. And the Messenger of Allah Wasallam asked me, he said, this is your son? And I said, yes, I testify to the fact this is my son. Just again, um, not that the Prophet wa was interrogating him, or there was any doubt in the issue. But this was just kind of uh, a mannerism that they had at that time. And it was a way to kind of show love to one's child as well. Like if somebody were to ask me about my child, that this is your son or your daughter, and you would put your arm around them, and say, yeah, this is my boy or this is my girl, right? So you would kind of like show that type of love for them. And put your arm around your child. So that was a way that the Arabs would do is that they would kind of, with the son, he would pat him on the back or tap him on the back and say that, Ashhadu bihi. Most definitely, this is my son. Right? So it was a way of to show confidence in one's child. So he says, Yes, I testify to the fact that this is my son. And then the Prophet of Allah said that, La yajni alayka wa la tajni alayhi. That you will not be held accountable for his crimes, nor will he be account- held accountable for your crimes. And then he goes on to say, and I saw that the white hair of the Prophet had a reddish color to it. Now obviously, uh, the curious part of the narration is where he says that you, your, your son, uh, you, you will not be held accountable You will not bear the burden of the crimes of your son, nor vice versa. Nor will he bear the burden of your crimes. What the Prophet ﷺ was doing was refuting an idea of jahiliyyah. One of the um, practices before Islam, one of the pre-Islamic practices that Islam put an end to, because it was unjust and it was not fair, was that if somebody had committed a crime against someone else, then what they would do is either because of the status of the actual criminal, or maybe because of the unavailability of the criminal, the criminal ran away or whatever the case may be, they would basically go ahead and arrest or they would uh, punish or penalize or even execute the closest family member that they could find as kind of an equal compensation. So if a leader of a tribe committed a crime, and they're like, well, either they don't want to kill him, uh, he murdered somebody, they don't want to kill him, or he runs away, or he's not available, then they would just kill somebody else who was related to him. And so the Prophet ﷺ is putting an end to this, and he's saying this is no longer valid, this is no longer justified or legal. This is permis- not permissible at all. That you will not be punished if he commits a crime, or and he will not be punished if you commit a crime. In another narration, the Prophet ﷺ actually recites even the ayah saying that one soul does not bear the burden of another soul. And then he says that I noticed that the hair of the Prophet ﷺ had a slightly red color to it. The second hadith, Abu Huraira. Rather, let me read the narration first. There's a little bit of a comment uh, from Imam Tirmidhi before I actually move to the next narration qala Abu Isa That says Imam Tirmidhi so Imam Tirmidhi occasionally will comment on the narration himself. qala Abu Isa Imam Tirmidhi he says The Prophet, uh, Imam Atirmi, he says, this is one of the best hadith that is narrated within this chapter, and it's also one of the most uh, explicit. That it's not only describing the fact that the Prophet did actually have some white hair, but that white hair actually had a little bit of color to it. And, um, He says because some of the other authentic narrations sometimes give the impression that the Prophet either had not received, he had not gotten white hair or that he had not colored his white hair. And then he says, Abu Rimtha, who we've come across twice, his name was actually Rifa'a and he was a Yathribi. He was from Yathrib, he was from Medina. The next hadith uh, Imam Tirmidhi says حدثنا بن وكيع قال حدثنا أبي عن شريك عن عثمان بن موهب موهب قال سئل أبو هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه هل خذ برسل الله صلى عليه that Abu Huraira رضي الله تعالى عنه was asked did the messenger of Allah wa sallam, used to color or dye his hair and he said yes. Imam Tirmidhi rahimahullah ta'ala again as a comment here qala Abu Isa wa Abu Awan hadha al hadith an Uthman ibn Abdullah ibn Mawhab fa qala an Umm Salama the same narration we find from Umm Salama Umm Salama was asked did the messenger of Allah used to color or dye his hair and she said qalat yes. na'am she said yes the next narration he says حدثنا إبراهيم بن هارون قال أنبأنا أن نضر بن زرارة عن أبي جناب عن إياد بن لقيط عن الجهدة إمرأة إمرأة بشير بن الخصاصية قالت أنا رأيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يخرج من بيته ينفض رأسه وقد اغتسل وبرأسه ردع من حناء من حين أو قال ردع Shakkafihada So the next narration is narrated by jahdama the wife of Bashir Khassasiya taala anhuma. She actually narrates that I saw the Messenger of Allah وسلم, exiting his home one time and he was stroking or combing his hair. Yanfudur Rasulullah, the Prophet ﷺ, was just kind of straightening his hair out, and while straightening, and he had just taken a shower, so the Prophet ﷺ must have just bathed, and so he was in a rush, he was in a hurry, so he was straightening his hair out, and she says that there was a slight, that there was a slight tinge or a little bit of a semblance of some hina within his hair. And then Imam Tirmidhi actually in the narration, he brings the comment that either the narration says, radun, The word radun in the Arabic language refers to uh, za'faran, saffron, which would be used a lot of times to, it would be added to the color of the hina, also for nice, for fragrance as well. Um, or he said Radhun And radhun basically refers to just purely using hina. All right. And some actually say that Rad'un was a lighter color of Hina, which would be a little bit more on the orange side, or even slightly yellowish orange side. Um, and the Rad'un with the Ghayn was a darker color of Hina, where it'd be more like a darker red, almost a light brown shade. Right, And then he says, شَكَّ فِي Shaka الشَّيْخُ That the narrator of the hadith, he had some doubt in this, whether it was radun or رَدْغُن In either case, the meaning is pretty straightforward and it's corroborated through a number of different narrations and that's the fact that there was a slight little bit of tinge of color that was noticed within the hair of the Prophet ﷺ. Hadith number four. قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَبْدُ اللَّهِ بن عَبْدِ qala قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَمْرُ بن عاصم. قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا أَحْمَادُ بْنُ Salama, قَالَ Haddathana حُمَيْدُ عَنْ أَنَسُ قَالَ رَأَيْتُ شَعَرَىٰ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ مخضوبا. He says that, Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, I saw the hair of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it had in fact been colored, it had been dyed. So these are the narrations which basically give the idea that that the Messenger of Allah ﷺ did apply some dye to his hair. Um, he didn't have a lot of hair that had gone white. But nevertheless, whatever hair there was, the Prophet ﷺ had colored that hair. There is a difference of opinion actually, interestingly, on the issue. And that's only because that there are also some narration from some of the companions, um, such as when... Uh, the earlier hadith we saw in the chapter where Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu was asked, did the Messenger of Allah sallallahu dye his hair, color his hair? And he says, Lam yablugh It never got to that point. He never had to color or dye his hair. So some scholars, Ibn Hajar rahimahullah ta'ala mentions both opinions uh, and Ibn Qayyim also mentions both opinions in Zadul Ma'ad that some people are of the opinion that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa never dyed his hair. Um, But the way that both are reconciled in that particular case, that either in the narration, where Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu is saying that he never reached that point, meaning what he's talking about is he never never had to dye his entire head. But he had a few white hairs and he just applied a little bit of hina or a little bit of dye at the specific white hairs that he had. And some of the scholars say no, but some of the Sahaba who say that it looked like he had applied some dye to his hair, or that I saw a little bit of red color to his hair, that that was because of a couple of things. Number one, the Prophet never really dyed his hair, but he would apply a lot of oil. And so because of the oil the hair of the prophet sallallahu alaihi was certain sometimes have a certain type of gleam or shine to them that would make it seem as if he had dyed his hair and the other thing the prophet sallallahu alaihi used to do regularly was sometimes you would apply perfume So after taking a bath or a shower, the Prophet ﷺ would have certain types of perfume that were almost like what we would call like a lotion that was scented. And he would apply that to his body and he would also apply that to his beard and he would apply that to his hair. So that could also be the reason why the the hair of the Prophet ﷺ had kind of that reddish tinge or color to it. Chapter number seven. All right, we're on a roll today. Alright. Chapter number seven. Babu Ma Ja'afi Kuhli Rasulilahi sallallahu alayhi wa This is also a very short chapter and um it's not a very detailed topic. Babu Ma Ja'afi Kuhli Rasulai sallallahu alayhi salam the chapter about the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa applying kuhl. It's an expert translation. Alright, so what does that exactly mean? Right. Obviously, I just translated the word with the same word. So, what does the word kuhul mean? The word kuhul in the Arabic language, Allah. If you looked it up in the dictionary, a formal translation of it, it uses the word antimony or antimony. And what that basically refers to is that it's something that's applied within the eyes. Right. So, it's not too different than the process. Not. It's not the same thing, but the process of applying it is similar to the process of applying eyeliner all right it's similar to that process and so let's go ahead and read the narrations and then I'll explain anything that requires any type of explaining but it's uh, pretty straightforward the first hadith in this chapter hadathana muhammad abu tayalisi an abbad ibn mansur an an radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma and anna nabiyyan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala iktahilu bil ithmid fa innahu yajlu al basar wayumbi to sha'r wa za'ama anna nabiyyan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kanat lahu mukhalatun mukhulat mukhulatun right mukhalat يَكْتَحِلُ بِهَا كُلَّ لَيْلَةٍ ثَلَاثَةً fi هَذِهِ wa thalathatan fi so ibn abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhuma relates that the messenger of allah sallallahu now this is what we call uh these the chapters the ahadith in these chapters are both قولية وفعلية. some of them are actually the words of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and then some of them are observations about him and that's very unique or rare because typically, when the physical description of the Prophet is being given, these are more fi'liya, like the, he's being described, or something is being said about him, not so much he's saying something himself. So, Ibn Abbas relates that the Messenger of Allah said, Apply kuhul using ithmid. He said, Because it brightens the vision and it helps, it strengthens the eyelashes. And he presumes that the Prophet of Allah had a stick. He had a stick that he used to use to apply the kuhl. And he would apply it three times in this eye and three times in this eye. And he pointed to his right and then he pointed to his left. Alright, so now this is Ibn Abbas. Ibn Abbas ﷺ of course had a very close relationship with the Prophet ﷺ. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu had a double relationship with the Prophet, both from his father's side and his mother's side. His father was, of course, Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet, and therefore he was his cousin. And being a younger cousin, he was somebody the Prophet showed a lot of affection to, uh, treated him almost like a son or a nephew. And the Prophet kind of taken him under his wing and used to take care of him and look after him and speak to him and spend time with him. On the other side, from his mother's side, the mother of Ibn Abbas, the mother of Abdullah ibn Abbas, her name is Umul al And Umm al her sister is Maymuna, radiallahu ta'ala, the mother of the believers, the wife of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so basically, Ibn Abbas had this double relationship with the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi where he was um, the nephew of the wife of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi and so because of that, whenever the Prophet ﷺ would go to stay at Maimuna, home, Ibn Abbas would come also over. And he would spend time over and stay over. So he would get a little bit more uh, closer interaction with the Prophet ﷺ and more exclusive access to him. So he says that he presumes, so either he loosely remembers or he's saying that something that he came across, he says that the Prophet ﷺ did have like some of his personal effects right like somebody would have typically a hairbrush or a comb or something along with his personal things like a toothbrush and other things he also had this stick that he used to apply use to apply the kuhul. and he would apply it three times in this eye in the right eye and three times in the left and based off the narration that we read uh, yesterday can you one that the Prophet used to prefer to start things with the right side. So he would first apply it in the right eye and then in the left eye. Three times in this eye, three times in that eye. Now obviously this is the first time that we're coming across the word ithmid. What does ithmid exactly refer to? So ithmid at that particular time, um, at the time of the Prophet was a particular type of stone that they used to have. And what they would basically do is that they, it was a little bit softer. Um, And so if you hit it, it would basically crack into pieces, Um, so they would, it was a type of soil or or a type of uh, stone, and so what they would do is that they would smash it up and grind it down to the point where it became very powdery, very soft, and then that's what the Prophet used to apply in his eyes. And the thing about that was that that was something that was already an established practice in their culture. This was something that was medically recommended at that time. This was something that the Arabs used to practice that especially as they got a little bit older in age to basically preserve their eyes and to kind of uh, protect their eyes from any type of ailments and help maintain the strength of their vision that they, this was recommended to put within their eyes. Um, and so they used to do this and so the Prophet used to practice this similarly. Now, first and foremost, of course, what this tells us one concept I want to explain right here is that what this teaches us is that again the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi was somebody who used to rely upon, you know, whatever information was available about health and healthy practices, and he used to basically take steps to maintain his health. So if something was good, something was healthy, something was recommended, the Prophet ﷺ was very particular in that regard. And he used to physically take care of himself, not just in appearance, but also his health. And so you see the Prophet ﷺ is basically doing whatever is recommended that is good for the eyes. Alright, so same type of rules and what the way again that we can expand upon this, this is a recommended practice of the Prophet ﷺ but also from the jins of it, from the principle of this what we learn is that if there's anything else similarly that's recommended generally for the maintenance of health in a particular place, in a particular um, climate, um, in a region, if there's something that is recommended to maintain good health, then it is from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to make sure that you do that. The second hadith. قال حدثنا عبد الله بن الصباح الهاشمي البصري. قال أخبرنا عبيد الله بن موسى. قال أخبرنا إسرائيل عن منصور. وحدثنا علي ibn حجر. So this is a different chain of narration that he has going to that same particular point. علي بن حجر قال حدثنا يزيد بن هارون قال حدثنا عباد بن منصور عن عكرمه عن ابن عباس رضي الله تعالى عنهما قال كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يكتحل قبل أن ينام بالإثمد ثلاثاً في كل عين وقال يزيد بن هارون في حديثه إن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كانت له مكهلة يكتحل منها عند النوم ثلاثاً في كل عين so in this particular narration, Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala provides some more details. He says that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu used to apply this kuhl before he would go to sleep using ithmid three times in each and every single eye. Yazid ibn Harun in his particular narration, he says that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu had a tool, had a little stick that he used to use to apply this kuhul in his eyes at the time of going to bed three times in each of his eyes. Now we have a little bit more detail. The the second uh, the, uh, next detail that I wanted to mention here about Ithmid specifically, one of the things about that Ithmid is that it was very light in color and it really didn't show too much within the eye when you would apply it. The Prophet ﷺ would very sparingly, very lightly apply it and even then it was not very visible. It was not very, very visible. And then the next detail that we have is that the Prophet ﷺ used to apply it before he went to bed. You supply before he went to bed. The next narration, Hadith number three in this chapter. قال حدثنا أحمد بن منيع قال حدثنا محمد بن يزيد عن محمد بن إسحاق عن محمد بن عن جابر هو ابن عبد الله رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم Jabir bin Abdullah, that's why he clarifies, Jabir ibn Abdullah, because Jabir bin Abdullah, عنه, is one of the most, um, he's one of the highest ranking of the Sahaba in terms of the number of narrations, a hadith that he reports from the Prophet wasallam. But in the specific uh, collection of the Shamail, we see Jabir bin Samura has narrated more narrations in this particular topic. So the roles are kind of reversed. And that's why he clarifies here, Jabir, but this is not Ibn Samurah, as you've become familiar with. This is rather the Jabir bin Abdullah, who actually has narrated more narrations in total than Jabir bin Samurah. Nevertheless, Jabir bin Abdullah radiallahu anhu says that the Messenger of Allah said, You should apply Ithmid at the time uh, you should apply to your eyes when going to bed because it brightens the vision and it strengthens the eyelashes in another the next narration hadith number 4 of this chapter Kala haddathana qutaybah ibn qutaybah ibn sa'id qala haddathana bisr ibn mufaddal abdullah ibn uthman ibn khutaym and sa'id ibn jubayr an ibn Abbasin, radiyallahu ta'ala anhum Akal, Kala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam inna khayra akhalikum al-ithmidu fainahu yajlu yajlu al-basara wa yumbitu ash-sha'ra Ibn Abbas relates that the Messenger of Allah said, the best thing that you can apply to your eyes is ithmid." So that what right here, what this basically tells us, or let me just complete the narration, the best thing to apply to your eyes is ithmid. it strengthens the vision or it brightens the vision and strengthens the eyelashes. Now, the Prophet saying the best thing to apply to your eyes is ithmid. What this basically tells you is that they used to have other things that they would also apply to their eyes. They had other things that they would apply within their eyes as well, other types of remedies or other types of things that they would apply. And some of them were actually a little bit more darker than others. And so the Prophet ﷺ is saying the best thing to apply is ithmid. Number one, because its medical benefits are better, he's saying. And number two, also specifically because it's lighter in color, so it's not as visible. And I'll comment on that and explain that in just a second. And the last narration of this chapter, Kala Hadda Ibrahim ibn al Mustamir al Basri, Kala Hadda Thana Abu Asim an Uthman Abdul Malik, An Salim an Ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anu ma'al, Kala Rasulullah he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Alaikum bil ithmidi, Fainahu Yajlul Basara wa yumbitu shah. The Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala relates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi said, you should apply Ithmid to your eyes because it brightens the vision and strengthens the eyelashes. And we've seen that same verbiage a number of different times. So now just a little bit of a comment on this before inshallah we wrap up for the night. Um, the practice of the Prophet sallallahu in applying this kuhl to the eyes. This is something that um, gets confused a lot of times or is not practiced very appropriately a lot of times. So first and foremost, what you have to understand is that, again, there's a difference of opinion amongst the scholars. Some say because there are a ahadith, and it's a lot more explicit, and the Prophet is mentioning the benefits of it, that in and of itself, this specific practice is a sunnah in and of itself. But at the same time, there is overall a lesson here that overall the Prophet ﷺ is teaching us to practice you know, good health and maintenance of our bodies. And specifically the eyes. The eyes are a huge blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the human being and the human being's ability to comprehend good and bad, right from wrong, good and evil. Whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the uh, human being's ability to... Uh, understand the uh, guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala oftentimes will talk about the human being's ability to see. It's a very interesting correlation. It's a very interesting connection. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah al-Dahri He says, Hal ata'a min lam Did ever a time come upon the human being where he was not something that was mentioned, didn't exist. إِنَّا خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ مِن نُطْفَةٍ amshajin. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we created the human being from that drop of bodily fluid And then we test the human being And therefore we've given the human being the ability to hear and the ability to see. And then we have Guided the human being to the path. Imma shakiran wa imma kafuran. Now either he can be grateful or he can be ungrateful. Wahadeena hu najadeen. Allah says, "We guided him to the fork in the road, one of two paths." Right? Basira, basara. The Prophet صلى الله عليه is told to announce that adu aduul ilallahi 'ala basira. Ana wa min tabani. This is my path, this is my way, this is my task. This is my mission that I call to Allah upon an understanding. But what's interesting is that deeper understanding of the religion is referred to as basira, which comes from basr, which means the ability to see. As you see here, the word yajlu al basara Right? And what's interesting is that the Prophet doesn't say yajlu al-ayn. That it brightens the eye. Because even the Prophet is basically reminding us that this eye in and of itself is a huge blessing of Allah. It's, it's alaykum, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to reflect within ourselves. fi anfusikum. Look within yourselves. The eye is a, a, a remarkable, a breathtaking manifestation of the qudra and the greatness of Allah. And it's a huge blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in and of itself. But the Prophet is using the word basar here to remind us of the fact that the eye is not just relevant to you physically, health-wise, but the eye is something that's very necessary even in terms of guidance and the understanding of the religion. To be able to read the Qur'an, to be able to see the creation of Allah. How many times does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell us to reflect on the creation of Allah by looking at it? إِلَى كَيْفَ خُلِقَتْ وَإِلَى السَّمَاءِ كَيْفَ Looking at the camel how it's been created, the sky how it's been raised, the mountain how it's been erected, the earth how it's been spread. right? So looking at things and reflecting on the greatness of Allah. And that's exactly why the loss of eyesight or the lack thereof is such a huge test from Allah that in a hadith Qudsi, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Allah has said, excuse me, the Prophet says that Allah has said that if I test my slave by taking away his eyes, and the eyes are referred to as the two beloved things, that if I test my slave by taking away his eyes, I guarantee him paradise. I guarantee him or her paradise. Such a huge test from Allah. Such a huge ni'mah and blessing of Allah. So not only is the Prophet teaching us so this is a specific sunnah. Then what we can also extrapolate from this is the importance of taking care of our health and our bodies and our blessings. But on top of that, specifically taking care of our eyes. Specifically taking care of our eyes. Now that's even in particular, the Prophet ﷺ is teaching us the importance of that. Now the second thing that I was gonna talk about here is the ithmid is something the Prophet ﷺ emphasizes because it's lighter in color. So this does not result, applying the Ithmid did not result in the appearance as if somebody had actually put on eyeliner. It didn't look like makeup. And that's why he's recommending it to men specifically as well. And then the third thing that is a huge misunderstanding again is that the Prophet ﷺ applied this and he says it in his actions, Uh, he, he demonstrates it through his actions, he says it in his own words, in his recommendations, apply it when you go to bed. So the Prophet ﷺ didn't used to wake up in the morning, get dressed, get ready, apply it and then go outside. But the Prophet ﷺ would apply it right before he went to bed. And then he would sleep and then when he would wake up in the morning, what's the very first thing he would do? Make wudu. So he would wash it. It already didn't have a lot of color to it and then he'd wash his face. So he'd wash it out. Alright, so by no means does is it a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to be walking around with eyeliner on for men specifically. Alright, but a lot of times what I'm saying is that this gets misunderstood and so sometimes people will misunderstand it as a sunnah and so sometimes in... Uh, trying to implement the sunnah, even coming to prayer or Jumu'ah, or you know coming to the masjid and they'll apply it. It'll be darker in color, and they'll apply it before coming to the masjid. So it looks like a bunch of men have eyeliner on in the masjid, and that is by no means the sunnah of the Messenger wasallam. All right. So, inshallah, we'll go ahead and stop here again. May Allah subhanahu wa taala allow us to know the Messenger ﷺ, to love the Messenger ﷺ, and to be able to implement the lessons learned from his life. Subhanallah bihamdihi, subhanakallah